Hi, I'm Kristen. And I'm Mike. And we're lost in the Sunnydale Sunnydale Sex, where every other week we immerse ourselves in the woods. Does that work? Okay. This week, how to transition out of that? This week, we're taking a field trip to spend a nice, rustic, quiet weekend Mm -hmm. in the cabin in the woods. What could go wrong? Along to help us with this field trip is Chris. Hello. We all remember Chris from, of course, one of the hosts of Hey, Do You Remember? And a frequent guest on the show. And we're very happy to have you back. So we have uh, a stacker question this week for me. I, I saw it on Twitter and I was like, that's interesting. Let's mm-hmm. talk about it. If the Scoobies could add one Marvel character to their gang, who should they recruit? Well, I think the answer is obvious. As we, do I. But I, I, I want to. I mean, we've talked about how Giles needs a friend. So obviously it's Uatu, the Watcher. Oh, that's good. Explain who that is, please. Um, so he's more in like the comics. He hasn't been in any in any of the movies, unless you believe this one fan theory. Uh, but he's from this weird cosmic race called the Watchers, uh, not related to Buffy's Watchers, who are supposed to just watch things and observe the universe and never interfere. But he just constantly does shit. And um, uh, probably most famous from a series of comics called the 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 What If, I believe, uh, where it's basically. Take famous Marvel storylines and what if something different had happened? Like, when I remember reading as a kid was, what if all the Fantastic Four got the same powers? And there was, like, different ones. I think one of the first Marvel comics I ever bought was, what if the Phoenix had not died? Ooh. That was a good one. That's fancy. That sounds fascinating. I really mm-hmm. want to read that now. And that sounds yeah. like such a good answer. Like, it's very appropriate. Yeah. You just kind of hang out. It could be like one of those weird mystical side characters who, because he, he is forbidden to interfere, he wouldn't necessarily, like do a lot of things to be a day of six machina or like an active member, but just kind of a fun guy to have on the sidelines. What about you, Chris? Um, all right. So the first thing I thought of was too obvious. I, I thought hot, uh, hot guy, <laughs> uh, just any hot guy would do square jaw, barrel chested. We just got rid of Riley. We need a replacement in there. Well, yeah. I mean, Chris Hemsworth would be appropriate for this episode. That'd be fine. Uh, no, <laughs> Hawkeye. That uh, was my first thought too. Specifically mm. the Matt Fraction Hawkeye, but it's almost, he's almost too similar in personality to uh, some of the other Scoobies. And then I was thinking like any character I thought of, I was like, ah, there's already somebody serving this function in this universe like you know you don't need hank mccoy because you have giles Mm -hmm. squirrel girl miss marvel these are all very similar to a lot of the main characters so then this is another very obvious answer but the one i i actually was like no i can see this blade of course blade specifically the wesley snipes version because he takes himself so seriously Mm -hmm. so in terms of putting someone on the team who's going to change the dynamic in kind of a fun way Mm -hmm. you know just that stoic stare at xander as he's rattling on about something (laughs) that i think that would be really fun so i didn't know he was marvel Mm -hmm. oh yeah that was the the first non-duck marvel movie because howard the duck was the first marvel movie what predates yeah that's insane. Yeah. Uh, so I also thought of Hawkeye first, just being like, I mean, yeah, arrows. That would be helpful. Oh, what? so true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was the only weird thing. I was just like, yeah, that would be useful. 
Oh, I was just thinking quippy and like mm-hmm. that would how well that jives with, you know, we and didn't then speak. Buffy wouldn't have to constantly hold a crossbow and almost never use it. Right. No, she's got she's got Hawkeye for that. Mm-hmm. But then I started thinking the obvious problem with Hawkeye always. I'm still like, just hearing hot guy. I've ruined it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> You're not wrong. Mm-hmm. But then the, the obvious problem with Hawkeye is now I can't say it without my <laughs> Ah, shit. The obvious problem with hot guy is <laughs> it's just too distracting. No, <laughs> um, too many abs. He might run out of arrows. He never oh, does. No. I know, but the, like logically, I have to always assume there are a finite amount of arrows. So who could serve the same function and never run out of arrows? Oh, infinite arrow man, <laughs> <laughs> Groot. Oh. Okay. So I have great. They're just snapping off his limbs. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's going to stab you and then retract his little fingers. Oh, God. Oh, because he's got. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And then when Spike is hanging out by his favorite tree, he can chill with Groot and they can be friends. (laughs) Oh, and Groot could like grow like branches to protect him in the daytime. Yeah. And like let him like help climb up to Buffy. No, wait, that's how he's a bad guy. Oh, yeah. You don't want to help him stalk Buffy. That's just gross. Wow. I mean, he is Groot, so he's. That's like Groot almost too powerful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we're like really stacking the odds in, in the Scooby's favor. Sunnydale yeah. stacking the odds. <laughs> <laughs> There's just no conflict anymore. <laughs> just Well, all the vampires are dead. Uh, I guess uh, it's back to college. <laughs> it's just the entire uh, episodes are just lectures. Just yeah. completely played out in real time. <laughs> <laughs> There's another one where it's just like, filing things at the magic box and going putting them through into receipts yeah. the, the counting books and like going through the math to balance the books this show changed <laughs> now let's head into the sunnydale stacks and open the books on cabin in the woods This book in the library. You don't belong there, you silly goose. Somebody ordered it from like a regional library. <laughs> okay. and... It's in the annex. <laughs> All right, that makes sense. So, Cabin in the Woods is written by Joss Whedon, mm-hmm. uh, also Drew Goddard, and was, was released in 2012. Famously made in 2009, but uh, not released for another three years because MGM uh, decided to not know how to be a movie studio anymore after like 100 plus years. Did they just not? believe in the movie where they just no, like, I that don't know. Was, that was when like James Bond was affected like ev- their whole slate everything the studio literally went bankrupt yeah. oh. and so there were a lot of things that were kind of up in the air this being one of them and then yeah eventually Lionsgate came in and scooped it up actually Chris Hemsworth also made Red Dawn the same year he made this mm-hmm. also not released until 2012 <laughs> Both roles that he was cast in, movies mm-hmm. he made before he made Thor, both yeah. released after Thor. Really this cool is movies. one of his his better roles. Yeah. I think so. I was watching this and I was thinking about how it's not, you know, Oscar material. Like, it's not the kind of movie they usually look to for the Oscars. And then I was, what was that boat movie he was in? Oh, the one that heart was based the on the, yeah, in the heart of the sea. The one that's based on the true story of Moby Dick. Oh, right. Right. But, like, that trailer sucked. I never saw the movie, even though, like, I love Chris Hemsworth. But I just, Mm -hmm. that trailer was like, I have no interest in that. Well, even, like, the Snow White stuff, the Huntsman stuff. Like, there's just, it's so, it just looks so generic. And the thing that's great about Thor as a character is you, I kind of, 
I don't enjoy him as much in his solo movies. I, no. I think they're fine, but the best thing about that character is when you throw him in the mix with the mm-hmm. other Avengers and the way he's playing off of them. And he is naturally a very funny guy. Yeah. And when he when he gets to lean into that a little bit more, like he does in this movie, yep. he's just he he's got like a, a really natural charm to him. But when you put him in more yep. of like the straight faced, kind of generic action hero role. Quite honestly, he's better than that. He, yeah. he sh- I really hope he doesn't I, get stuck doing that yeah, sort of I, thing. I, I like his sense of humor because it's not one of those – because I think it's often tempting for like big, handsome, muscular guys to almost be kind of that jockish, bullyish humor of mm. like, this is funny because I say it's funny. It's more like, I get it's kind of ridiculous. I'm a big, handsome guy. It's mm. kind of weird. Let's have fun. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I always think of um, Channing Tatum. I was just going to say yeah, that. Yeah, is one of yeah. those guys where it's like, you know, when he was, when he was doing like the straight roles, it was like – I don't I don't like this. Yeah. Anytime he's making fun of himself, I'm like, oh, you are charming yeah. and funny and just mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not quite there yet with Zach Efron, but but he's definitely yeah. won me over yeah. a lot more in the last few years. When the same thing. You can tell he's totally game for making fun of himself. Well, he is in the Whedon verse. Yeah, he is. He's young um uh Simon. Name? Oh, young yeah. Simon in Firefly, that's right. Yeah. 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 I remember when I first saw that being like, well, well my world is melting. <laughs> <laughs> that where I first saw, I mean, um, Star Trek came out before anything, before Thor and anything, right? That Yeah. yeah. That was definitely when Chris Hemworth, Hemsworth caught my eye because mm-hmm. the opening scene of that movie, like, hit me so hard. Oh, it was yeah. so powerful. Yeah. I remember as the, as the very quiet intro as the score creeps in after that after that prologue and so it's very quiet in the theater and i just i could hear Kristen sniffling next to me and i was like you're crying at a star trek movie (laughs) my life is complete (laughs) (laughs) so the opening uh scene of this movie i read that joss reedon really wanted to um trick people into thinking they were in the wrong movie yeah they walked Mm. into the wrong theater so we just open with bradley whitford of west wing Mm -hmm. for anybody else that geeked out because it was you know, my Wing. very first, my introduction to Bradley Whitford was not The West Wing. It was because he was in a movie with Michael Keaton called My Life. The scene, There's a scene in the movie where they leave, he's at the brother's house, they go out in the backyard, they're sitting on the swing set having a conversation. That scene was filmed down the street from where I grew up. So the whole, the crew came in to shoot huh. this scene one night, and at the time... This is, you know, early 90s. Batman is still my favorite movie ever. Michael Keaton is my hero. And of all the movies to come shoot in Naperville, Illinois, (laughs) it's a Michael Keaton movie. So the whole neighborhood came out to watch this scene being filmed. And it was supposed to be Detroit. But Mm. yeah, Naperville, Illinois, Detroit, peas in a pod. Um, (laughs) And to this day, whenever I see Bradley Whitford, that's the first thing I think of is like, you were just down the street from me. That's with Batman. Awesome. Yeah, with Batman. I remember some kid, while we were standing there watching the scene being filmed, was like, because the word had gotten around. It's a movie called My Life, and it's about, you know, this guy making videos for his son because he might not be around and blah, blah, blah. And then some kid, we're like all hanging over a fence trying to get a good look at this stuff. He's like, I heard they're going to shine the bat signal up over there. And I was just like, man, get your fucking life together (laughs) yeah the next batman movie shot in the suburbs of naperville (laughs) looks just like gotham yep (laughs) they'd be better off shooting in detroit it's a scene where where he goes to his uh his cousin's house for thanksgiving (laughs) just chilling on the swing set oh gotta go (laughs) what that's weird that you have to go right now i mean it's that's not related to that Bat signal. Well, able, they're able to move the bat signal from Gotham to his cup. It's house. just that powerful. 
So Bradley Whitford is with Richard Jenkins. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um, from Step Brothers. Yeah. I mean, and that's all. So and many like things. everything. Yeah. He's, every, he's a delight. Yeah. And I, I heard that like these two, these characters they play are sort of based on Joss and Drew. It it definitely That's feels weird. like the writer's voice yeah. in a lot of the scenes. It's like, oh, these these are like the the lines that you like the most, and the fact that they're sort of in like a, in a in a meta way, they're the ones writing yeah. this story. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. makes a lot of sense. They're even dressed like just generic suits, which, by the way, I'm going to refer to them as the suits from now on because it didn't catch. But the like names. not not even suits, just like the white dress shirt. And I think it aren't they the short sleeve white yeah. dress shirts? Yeah. So it's like the extra dorky office attire. Yeah. Like like you're working for NASA in the early '60s. Yeah, you can attire. tell that they're not like higher up executives because all right, they've got short sleeves. That's all right. I remember reading a TV Guide article about the worst dressed characters on TV, and like I think number one was. Uh, Dennis Franz on NYPD Blue, and they specifically called out his short sleeve collared shirts. And I was like, well, now I know. <laughs> I'm 10 years old, but in the future, I, when will I become stay away. When I become a fashionable male, I will stay I was away say, from when you become a New York police detective. <laughs> That's also an important note. Look, if I want to be taken seriously. So the dialogue and everything happening here is just so very Joss. We're getting all mm-hmm. this information that at the time, doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot, but when you add it to information we'll get later, it makes complete. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything at first. No, yeah, Amy- it just sounds like the most generic kind of office corporate. Blah, yeah, blah, blah. Um, and then Amy Acker shows up. Fred, yay! Fred, I love her. Yeah. Why is she not in everything? I wish she'd had just a teeny bit more to do in the movie because, yeah. like, yeah. It, because even thinking about. They don't have a lot of screen time for these characters to like really pop aside from the two main suits that we're going to be following. But even thinking about the security guy who's new mm-hmm. and who is like so new to this that he's he hasn't, you know, a lot of them have become so desensitized to all this. They've got the game that they're playing and they're mm-hmm. celebrating stuff. And he's just kind of standing there going like, what the fuck? Like even he even though he doesn't have a lot of screen time, we, we get that guy. We yeah. know, yeah. we know, you know, his point of view. Yeah. It, it just, it wouldn't, uh, it would have been, wouldn't have been terrible if her character could have served a, a similar function in the story. Not, I'm not saying the exact, like, mm-hmm. I'm just, you know what I mean? Like just something small. Yeah. I was thinking that when Richard Jenkins character runs out of the control room, cause he's got to fix mechanics. I get mm-hmm. it's mechanics. It's not chemical, mm-hmm. but it would have been nice if like, maybe she could have done that. Cause she's, the brainiac scientist like just so she like you said does something you know what i guess they do give her actually that i'm just remembering in terms of identifying her amongst all these other characters in these sequences she is the one who is not treating this lightly right who yeah. she's like one of the only people there who does not consider this whole thing to be in the bag the, mm-hmm. which is why i think that like her freaking out over the mechanical problem going running after yeah. it would fit. That, like, yeah, totally. You know, So we found out that it's now just between us and Japan. Everyone else has backed out and we don't really mm. know what that is. But we got the title! This is great. And I remember when we saw this in the theater oh, that God. the audience laughed at that yeah. part. Yeah. And, I, and I remember that being like a huge moment of relief oh, that yeah, like, like oh, the, this is the right crowd. Get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or there's no one here going, the fuck did I just sign up for? Yeah. Because I understand that, you know, there's a lot of people who find... Joss Whedon's style, like just repugnant. They just, and you know what? I am a fan, obviously, but I also, 
I can understand how his sense of humor, how quippy the characters are. I get why it rubs certain people the wrong way. Like I, I like Aaron Sorkin most of the time, but there are moments in, in some of his stuff from like this writing's just a little too in love with itself. Like this is just mm-hmm. a little bit too precious. And I know that there are probably people who feel the same way about Joss and even just in terms of horror comedies, I think there are a subset of, horror fans who kind of resent the fact that this is maybe is more comedy than it, this is more comedy than it is horror. Mm. And a lot of that just has to do with Joss's sense of humor and, and his writing. Like dark style. comedy, But yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, I mean, I would definitely say it's comedy and horror, but I would, I would say it's way more horror than it is comedy. Oh, that's weird. This time watching it, I definitely felt more, way more comedy than horror. I mean, I think I would add a little bit of like sci-fi or, yeah. I mean, like is mind fuck a, a genre. I mean, sure, but it's like, but even look at that Best Buy mindfuck, <laughs> the, the mindfuck section, please. Um, it's where they put it right next to the children's. <laughs> they just direct you to like that new 3D POV porn. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, is that a thing? Of course it is. I've, I've heard. Why would you want that? There's 3D technology. Of course, they're going to use it for porn. Porn's at the forefront of all new technology, and that's not even a joke. No, that's yeah. just true. If that's why VHS went over get beta. Those people working on going to Mars. That I mean, is there porn good. on Mars? <laughs> there could be if they worked that, at it. Here's what we do. Here's what we do. We film porn with like super hot, famous people, but we have the only copies. We launch them to Mars. Yeah. So that then in order to see this porn that everybody would want to see, and it's, you know, it's up for grabs. Anybody can then take it if they can get to Mars. We are in Mars by spring. Yeah. John. Yeah. <laughs> There's like full colonies there. I think yeah. we cracked it. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome, Elon Musk. <laughs> I totally forgot what that we were. Oh, horror <laughs> comedies. All right, listen. So no, I'm not saying this as a bad thing. Like in general, I I would, you know, when it comes to that subgenre of horror, I would prefer something that leans a little heavier into the horror side of things. But even like Evil Dead 2 is, I, I adore that movie. And that to me is like a, a 50-50 split. Like mm. it's, it, mm-hmm. I don't consider that movie scary. I've never considered that movie yeah. scary, but I love it to pieces. And Cabin in the Woods has always been the same thing for me. I, there was never, there are moments of suspense, but there's no, there's nothing in this movie that I think is scary oh i i definitely am scared by this <laughs> okay well good i that's great well yeah and I, I think part of why i i feel as more of a comedy is that just kind of like blood and gore stuff doesn't scare me inherently so i think a lot of it it is a very gory bloody movie but there's only a couple moments where they really build the tension because i mean they and the whole movie is about undercutting it really yeah yeah mm-hmm. I, that, and that was that's the main thing that stuck out to me when i was watching it this time was exactly that but but it's because it's it seems intentional like what the moments that you feel like the scares are being undermined by stuff we're cutting away to things we know that the characters don't know but it's but overall it's still so much fun that it's like i think that's what they were going for that the whole thing was kind of a response to torture porn and where mm-hmm. the genre was was headed and and this being a throwback to stuff exact like that like evil dead 2 mm-hmm. something you know along those lines it's interesting from the point of view of like the number of classic comedy movies that follow that you know they talk about in screen that follow the formula of mm-hmm. like you have these stereotypes and because the whore transgressed and was a whore mm-hmm. she had to be punished yeah. and you know these these kids experiencing fun and not accepting responsibility need to be punished by mm-hmm. this force 
as kind of like a you know cultural sacrifice. Although I I do think sometimes, and not that I don't it really enjoy Scream or this or any other horror comedy that kind of plays with conventions. I think a lot of times they overhype how consistent those conventions are. There are a lot of movies that have some of them, but actually very few of like classic horror films that are at all remembered that have all of them. Like I, I saw a, a video that broke down the different Friday the, thir- the 13th and almost all of them break some of those rules. Mm-hmm. Like there are uh, the, the final girls. Uh, it does have that trope, but like about half of them at some point have sex or smoke pot. Okay. Um, and they still make it through. That's That was something I was thinking as this one wound down is, as you get to the explanation of, you know, they're seeing the the stuff on the walls representing mm-hmm. each of, you know, them and her and her friends and all that, and how there's all these types and there's always this and there's always that and the fool and the, you know, the horror or whatever, however they phrase it. Mm-hmm. And I was just sitting there going like, I think this is more popular in these deconstructions than it is in the movies that yeah. they claim they're deconstructing. Because this is not a pattern... I recognize in most of the horror movies I watch and I love horror movies. Mm -hmm. I understand how this became a thing. Like, absolutely. But you don't think that even saying like, okay, so, you know, sometimes the final girl had sex, but like, wasn't there probably another girl that was a bigger horror that died before her? I mean, in a lot of them, but not in all of them. It, the the thing, and I think it's it, it. You almost necessarily have to do it in a deconstruction. Is put all of the tropes into one basket, and usually a horror film will only have some of them. Because mm. I mean, I think most people making horror films don't want to make something that is literally just a carbon copy. Although they'll use a lot of things just because it's convenient, or they think it works, or it's they don't know what else to do. But I I think that most of them have uh, some, not all. Kristen Connolly plays Dana. Hard mm. to see her as the virginal innocent character if you've watched house of cards oh yeah she's really good in this i think this is probably i don't know if this would have been the first thing i saw her in i I, probably though she's great she's she's packing up uh she's got sketchings of her professor on the wall uh we get again from very well written natural dialogue Mm -hmm. that doesn't feel like exposition 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 that she had an affair with her professor a little too naive not feeling any Mm -hmm ill feelings toward him her roommate is jules who's played by anna hutchinson she's just dyed her hair blonde bum, bum, bum. <laughs> now, i know they reveal later that they put stuff into the hair dye but i and I, I don't think it's a bad thing that they don't but i wonder if it is they somehow kind of convinced her to go blonde to make it more of the the trope oh. yeah like how did that yeah, was that just a coincidence, or was it like they somehow kind of like subtly like, "Hey, go blonde." You would look great as blonde. Yeah, yeah. But I like this too that they, you know, it's just like, "Oh, look, I dyed my hair blonde." You're like, mm-hmm. That's a weird thing to throw in there, yeah. and then later on you figure out why that's important. Yeah. Dana's packing textbooks. Giant nerd. She and I could be friends. Uh, Chris Hemworth comes in. He plays Kurt. Jules' boyfriend. They uh, do the little PSA thing. That's one of my favorite parts of I the movie. Love it. Yeah. I have so, and this is where I was. Just that, like, I felt like, okay, no, like, this is my type of movie. It's just, like, the sense of humor is so something that I get. Mm-hmm. I mean, and this is what I always think back to of, like, oh, these characters are smart. Like, I, mm-hmm. like the, both the guys are jocks because he throws a football in the window and the other guy catches it. Both girls are smart because she's pre-med and mm-hmm. she's packing economics books. But even Chris Hemworth knows no, more about economics. So we're getting all this just yeah. in the first scene or second scene, I guess. Yeah, I know. I really love how they both kind of, like... In some ways, some of the characters kind of 
feel like they're, they're tropes a little bit, but nobody's like utterly defined by it. Everyone is a unique character at this point. Everyone's a real person. Yeah, exactly. So Holden is this friend that they're bringing for Jewel or no Dana. Sorry. Names are going to be a problem. They're you know obviously trying to set up Dana with this guy. She's mm-hmm. not into it. And then we get Fran cams. Did I say that right? I, it's it's something where it's, it's like Fran Kranz. Kranz. Oh, yeah. I even it's like yeah, it it's the it's one of those names that's really counterintuitive because you're like, oh, this would be pronounced this way and this would be pronounced. No, it's the opposite of that. Yeah, he's fabulous. He's done a lot of Joss Whedon stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dollhouse. One of my favorite parts of that. He's very good in that. I saw yeah, I saw obviously saw him in Dollhouse first. So when he showed up, because yeah, there's a couple of. Every few scenes, you're like, yeah. "Oh, there that you guy. are," <laughs> um, and but to see him doing this, yeah. which is so so unbelievably different, um, but like perfect casting, perfect. Still. In fact, this is it would maybe be even too perfect that if they made another live action Scooby Doo to have him as Shaggy, yeah, like it's it's almost too like it's too obvious. Like you <laughs> you wouldn't want to go that route. You know, it's the crazy thing about this character is so he very famously in this first scene has the giant bong that turns yeah. into the coffee tumbler. Great, hundred percent functional. Yeah, it, they spent like five grand. Yeah, I, I was reading that. It was like, oh my god. I mean, I mean, I, why not? <laughs> why five grand? Just to because they had to build it from scratch. So they the prototype it cost yeah. it cost five grand. I did read that they had to teach him how to smoke pot. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I read that too, that they brought in like experts. And I was yeah. like, excuse me, I'm going to need to see those credentials. <laughs> I right? think I qualify. <laughs> <laughs> like you couldn't turn to like anyone else on the cast and be like, I, come here. I can, I can show you how to roll pot. <laughs> yeah. I've had to do that. Uh, in college, I had to play a stoner and I had to learn from a lot of my stoner friends how to properly smoke. Sure, I yeah. would too, but like... I bet you had plenty of people around that were like, I have the knowledge. That you and rather than hire someone. Yeah. Can you, and it, it said something like it took two hours. <laughs> well, I mean, if they were, you know, smoking right from the beginning, you could slow That's the That's probably down. what happens. Yeah. We'll get to it when we get to it. <laughs> it's oh, it's good, man. You're doing good. You start with the smoking, yeah. and then when you move from that to the rolling, you're like, okay, well, that's wrong order. <laughs> I like that he locks his car but leaves his windows open. That I read was actually a thing that Drew Goddard did in college yeah. all the time. Why? Because he was just a weirdo. Absolutely, it's a pretty okay. great metaphor yeah. for how I live my life most of the time. <laughs> so they're taking a road trip in an RV. Uh, I, I like the little foreshadowing here. I never caught this before. Mar- Marty's line: "Society isn't crumbling. Society needs to crumble, and we need to let it." I've never caught that before. Mm. And even like you will come to see things my way. Yeah. Like, it's, it's neat. Is he really God? Like, is he? He's a watcher. The watcher. All... Yeah. <laughs> uh, they pass through a tunnel that's in the in the mountain. First off, this road. It's. I mean, it's obviously they made it because nobody would make that road. The, no, Hawaii. Oh. Yeah, on our honeymoon in Hawaii, we went traveling down this highway that they were like, oh, yeah. <laughs> It was almost like just like this where you get to the road. Like someday there'll be roads made of actual road. It did have that sort of feel to it of like, we're not in the touristy part anymore. We're going to die. We've made, yeah. Neither of us had a smartphone, did we? No, not back then. This is, yeah, this is before smartphones. Well, not before smartphones. This is before before we we had had smartphones. And they were, everyone was like, just, you can go south or you can go north as far as you want, but don't go south, like out of the resort. And we were like, 
Well, we'll just go south for a little bit. <laughs> and then we'll, we'll turn around. Because we're going to go north tomorrow. We'll go south. Okay. Um, and we, we These get... These dummies don't know. We know. <laughs> and, like, the highway starts to narrow, and it becomes the thing that, like, you kind of have to pull over for a car to pass you. And we're like, this isn't terrible i get mm-hmm. why like you can't go speeding around these curbs but like we're smart drivers and there's really pretty pictures from that i got so, the best pictures we took on that trip are were from that from that night it was fabulous so we're like we just just keep going we'll just keep going until like you know until if it starts to get crazy we'll turn around well you get to a point where the road is so narrow that you're pretty sure half your tires aren't on the road there are no what's the thing there's no barrier there's no barrier and it's just a huge drop off huge cliff down to the ocean you can see the waves crashing and there's i mean you can't pull over to the side if another car is coming the sun is going down i'm driving and don't have great night vision but there's no room for us to get out of the car and switch no way to turn around so it's just you just have to keep going and then you found this uh remote cabin (laughs) right (laughs) Kind of. No. Don't think of the concept. There was an old abandoned church. There was. It was crazy. With like, with a stick, with just like, so stereotypical of just like, there's like one chicken just like kind of hanging out in front of it. Yeah. I was like crying at this point. That's the manager. It's a shame that like I couldn't appreciate like the pretty part of our honeymoon because I'm like crying. I'm so terrified. Well, that's what the pictures are for. And that was the other thing too is like right before it started to get really treacherous, but you were already getting nervous where like every five seconds I'd be like, oh, stop. And then I would like run out and go take a picture of something. And you were just, you were like, sun is going down. We got to move. There are no streetlights in Hawaii, by the way. (laughs) Um, So eventually we made it back. Yeah. We're here. We're not ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ooh, so, yeah. Wouldn't that be such a great twist? It's, it's just like the longest prologue to a Beetlejuice movie. We <laughs> <laughs> just still haven't figured it out. It's been almost three years. <laughs> yeah. You mean of the uh, one Beetlejuice movie? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the yeah, the, the, the large franchise of Beetlejuice films. <laughs> I'm sorry. I skipped the gas station. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was, yeah, I thought I had my notes all turned around. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess maybe oh, no, that I jumped. part was first. Yeah, no, they could pull up this old gas station. You got the uh, the old dude, really not friendly. Oh, that eye. That goddamn eye. Yeah. Oh, you've been rubbing that without washing your hands first. <laughs> you just know, like, he doesn't say anything to Kurt, but I just know he's racist. He's got a Confederate yeah. flag hanging in the upstairs window. He is definitely racist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he uh, calls Jules a whore. I like I like the two different reactions. I like that, you know, yeah. they're both playing to their strengths that Chris Hemsworth, I don't know his character's name. Kurt. Is, Kurt. No. Holden. Nope. Kurt. He's Kurt. Kurt. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth. Um, it's you mainly, you're, not even, you're not even saying his actual name right. Yeah, it's Hemsworth. Hemsworth. There's an S. <laughs> I was learning how to roll pot. <laughs> 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 oh, boy. <laughs> it took two hours. Wait a minute. Ghosts have pot? <laughs> If you smoke enough, you might might convince yourself, I'm dead. I'm dead, but I'm still here. Uh, So Chris Hemsworth is going to kick his ass. And I like that Marty plays to his strength of, you know, assaulting him verbally Mm -hmm. and, you know, in quippy speech and like, you know, you sassing me. This sequence... Uh, the gas station thing was the first day of shooting. This is Drew oh. Goddard's directorial debut. Show up to set and it's snowing. Oh, no. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Yes. We're they waiting. shot this in like the winter. 
Well, you know, or I mean, or maybe like in as in between seasons, because actually, yeah. if you go back and watch that first scene with the teenagers again mm-hmm. or the college whatever they're as they're talking to each other as they're about to get on the rv you can see their breath yeah oh that sucks because jules is wearing like nothing oh yeah i mean the entire like i'm just like the one of the reasons he calls her a whore is because i mean like she looks adorable don't get me wrong this is a mm-hmm. cute dress but because he's an old asshole yeah. well don't worry about him once they get to the cabin that's a sound stage they're fine <laughs> it all it warms up imdb trivia says that jules has uh, frostbite what what the yeah oh is that a joke yeah oh okay that, that sounded very real i was yeah, like I was what like, what flawless <laughs> delivery <laughs> always the mark of a good joke Kristen. Yeah, yeah. when no one gets it and doesn't laugh <laughs> when, when people are just concerned for someone else's health you're Same right thing. you nailed it <laughs> <laughs> She's playing the long con. <laughs> That's my plan the whole time. <laughs> so we see uh, as they go through this tunnel in the mountain, we see the eagle flying and then crashed into the force field. Mm-hmm. This shot was in every trailer. Yeah. And Why? I and I, I really bothered me. And so I, when we went to go see this, the only thing I knew about it was the title and the fact that Joss and Drew had written it. And that was reason enough to go. That's honestly all I needed to know. And, uh, and then of course I'd heard, you know, the, I heard about the movie for years before it came out cause it was stuck in this legal limbo, but I didn't know the details of it. And so it wasn't until after we had seen it that I, cause we went almost right away. Yeah. And so, but then there would still be commercials for it and everything. And it just, every time one of those TV spots ran, I just remember going like, why would you do that? Cause it's not why? even like, out of context, it's just a weird thing that makes you like, what? Why would there be an electric force field in a horror film? Yeah. And then, like, yeah, it, it can only spoil it and wouldn't really entice me into seeing it because it would just look like, well, that doesn't look like anything I want to see. No. In an electric force field. And I understand how, um, you know, in the, if the marketing department, like, one of the ideas you really want to sell is you want to make sure people know this isn't just a Cabin in the Woods movie, that this mm. is like, there is this extra level to it but you you don't want to spoil that either so that is kind of a tricky tricky move but that yeah that specific shot was always like that's the one this is yeah. part of the reason why i don't even watch trailer like for stuff i know i want to see i don't even mm-hmm. bother watching the trailers anymore it's lucky that i have a really bad memory because i'm sure i remember we didn't i i not knowing that shot we went to go see the movie because when that happened i remember jumping <laughs> can i tell you the other thing i really hate about that shot watching it this time was like <laughs> Because it is a cool, intriguing moment of like, wow, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. But then it totally, completely robs the moment that he takes off yeah. on the motorcycle. Of... Although, I mean, I guess you could say that it plays in the reverse of you know that it's he's building up to a heroic moment that you know he's going to fail. That it's kind of funny. Yeah. But I would have, I think I just would have preferred the shock. Mm-hmm. And then it would still kind of be like there. I, yeah, I don't know. See, I actually think this is perfectly planned because okay. I, I think that these two shots are far enough apart that I don't remember the force field when he gets on oh, the I motorcycle. Told, I, the second he, the, he talks about making the jump, I'm going like, well, so It depends don't. on how good your memory he's is. So, I mean, like, he's so <laughs> passionate when he's making the speech that I am just so into, like, hoping that he makes it and, and what are the suits going to do because I'm weirdly v- rooting for both sides. Yeah. And just so that, like, when he hits it, it's like, oh, yeah. 
Like, I'm completely surprised. I remember jumping and grabbing you when it happened. Duh, in hindsight. But I think it's, I think without this teaser in the beginning of, hey, this is here, it would seem really strange to get in this big scene later on. I think we needed, I mean, maybe not such a big thing as an eagle splatting against it, maybe something smaller. I think what I, I would have preferred is if they found some way, and it might just be, you know, budgetarily weird to to find a, a way to fit the shot in, but have a force field, but have it at a different location. That's exactly what I was about to uh, say. If it wasn't the exact same gap like that we had already seen. As they're leaving the lake, you see a bird like behind them, like go across the lake and it hits. Because then you get to have yeah. it both ways. Because yeah. then you have the moment you just described too, Kristen, which is wonderful, which is, mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah, shit. Yeah. So they pull up to the cabin. Stackers uh, will remember my story about filming in a cabin in Indiana. <laughs> it looked just like this. Did you, did you guys film in the Evil Dead cab? <laughs> Pretty much. Just kind of. <laughs> yes. they, they slapped a new coat of paint on it, but uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, so Holden does not like the murder painting in his room. Oh, why would why wouldn't why you? would you? <laughs> you know the other the, before we get to like the those kind of details, just in general, when they first walk in, it's apparent that every cabin like this has the same interior decorator. Yeah. It's a union thing. It's required. <laughs> I think I, I there is a chair in this cabin that I think has the exact same like print on it as yeah. a chair in the cabin we shot at. Oh yeah. There's also remember the the cabin we shot at has the cellar that opened up into the dining area? Mm-hmm. Yep. <sighs> Same goddamn cabin. Never found the double mirror that you know of. <laughs> so Holden takes down the painting behind is a double mirror. Oh, it's one of the the, uh, the monsters is being released. This is about to turn into that John Travolta the De Palma movie Blowout where he overhears a murder. Oh, he's yeah. like playing back the audio. Oh, it's a great movie. But, and I, I really like this. That you know, Jules is obviously looking in the mirror. She's fixing her hair, mm-hmm. and like at first, Holden just finds it just kind of adorable, yeah. and oh, um, and he's tem- which is undressed. He's tempted, but yeah. stops himself. Just I like time. that he, yeah. it takes the one extra second before he does yeah. the right thing. I like yeah. that because I feel like otherwise it would be it would be a little too neat. Like, yeah, yeah. He's just like I'm not gonna do this. He's like, no, I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. It's like we were saying before, they're real people. They're mm-hmm. three-dimensional. They're yeah. not, you know. And even the way when he says, like, when he calls out, hold up, and he's kind of rolling his eyes as he says it, like, yeah, ah. Like, uh, I got to be a decent human being. <laughs> Won't get to see boobies. <laughs> I like uh, Marty's line. It was the pioneer days. People <laughs> make their own interrogation. <laughs> and then I think it's like Jules, that there's just a look of like, what? Huh? <laughs> but like, as other characters keep talking, yeah. just yeah. in the background, what? <laughs> Holden is really charming. Dane is really awkward. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they switch it's rooms because, like, you know, I, I wouldn't look, but I don't. Oh, I this is the me. the terrible flirting of like, yeah. oh, well, Jules is pre med, so you should she, you should go talk to her. And he's like, oh, uh, okay. okay. I really like that. Jules has already sold you to me for marriage. Oh, that's a great yeah. line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a, a, a nice detail I noticed about the painting and this watching is uh, that it's you know the big slaughter, and then there's just a guy watching it in the background in the painting. Oh, that's fabulous. Mm-hmm. It's a really neat thing that I didn't notice the first like two or three times I saw that's it. That's the creepiest part of the painting, too, yeah. is when it kind of focuses in on that dude just with like the hat. And yeah. And then, and the and yeah. And yeah, I just I guess I didn't realize before, like, oh, that guy's watching it. He's not he's not part of it. Yeah. He's yeah. just watching it. It's like, oh, this is like a whole metaphor for the Meta- whole thing. Speaking of which, there are hidden cameras all over this place. I mean, uh, they should make a reality TV show out of it. We're we're pretty much there. <laughs> I'm surprised that we haven't. 
uh, Amy Acker's character has uh, treated Jules' hair dye, making her dumb. Uh, so the, uh, the suits get a call from the Harbinger, a.k.a. Mordecai, a.k.a. Morty. Uh, they put him on speakerphone and then like... so cruel. He, I love this. He's so serious about like, and the blah, blah, blah. The sheep. Prophecy. Uh, led to the slaughter, yeah. Wait, am I on speakerphone? <laughs> Damn it. Oh, I'm so sorry. Let me let me switch you back. The ending of this scene gets me every time where he realizes he's he's like, I'm I'm still on speakerphone in the way that Bradley Whitford <laughs> yeah, laughs. And him. he's like trying to keep it together. But yeah, just yeah. I, does it that it gets me every time. Marty, what about the sheep? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the part. His voice gets so high. <laughs> uh, so the gang goes swimming in the lake. Kurt pushes in jewels. So would you say that she's Thor at him? What? She's Thor at him? So, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm sure we all read this about this scene. Um, but it's I, I think it's interesting that the reason that um, uh, Marty. Marty doesn't mm-hmm. get undressed here is because he was ripped yeah and they were afraid he looked as good or better than the other two dudes in the scene so they had to put him in baggy clothing the whole time which yeah. like after you read that you watch him going like yeah i can see it he's yeah. buff what are you hiding under there another bong <laughs> his backup i mean that if they had left it in there though like the idea that they're all these stereotypes to some degree he's also because he's the only one that's like he is just the fool. And then you find out, like, he's also really smart. He's kind of also the he's brain. He's a wise fool. Yeah. Yeah, he's the only one that is keyed into what's going on. Yeah. But he's not the athlete. But secretly, he is. <laughs> Wah. What? <laughs> I, I, I'm i going to hazard a guess just based on context clues in, uh, that that was a reference to the Inception. Yeah, that's what that's I said. That's exactly what I did. No. no you, you went. went you, wow. <laughs> like a little sheep. <laughs> wow. just like No. When you listen Let's back, listen back to the you're going to. That this is incredible that you've perceived it that way. <laughs> Flawless. <laughs> you know the classic Inception trailer sound that new Transformers movie does it. It's a, the robots fighting and then. I think, I, think, I think we've already established. I'm so good at imitations, guys. Um, why Inception? <laughs> that's not even a moment of something inside of something else. That's. Was it just like mind bending? Was that what you were going? Because it was on a deeper level than you knew. Because he's actually, he's like, the whole thing of him wearing all these clothes and not getting into the thing was on purpose because he's also really an athlete. They just didn't know. You're, so, you're really <laughs> passionate. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> sorry, I challenged it. You really worked up. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want you to get so upset that you cry like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> The god at the end crying. <laughs> what are you doing to your show? Mike thinks it's funny. I give up. <laughs> so now we get the scene of the suits taking bets. 
again, I like the really natural way we're getting clues about the company. Zoology, chemistry, mechanical. Yeah. Like, what kind of company has a zoology department? But they're just throwing that in there. No one's mm-hmm. blinking at it. And the other great thing about this scene, Andrew. Andrew! Yay! He's, uh, who did, it, Tom Lank, but Tom he's, Lank. he's the intern. Yeah, Ronald, yes. I think. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Ronald, Ronald the, the intern. intern. <laughs> the... What do you think? Mostly I just want this moment to end. <laughs> and he wins at the end. Yeah. yeah. Good for him. I mean, they all he lose because he dies. But yeah. <laughs> it's like like, the... <laughs> just like him, like in, in the ashes of everything, just being like with the money, like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Clutching the fistful of mm-hmm. they're playing truth or dare. And Jules gets dared to make out with the the moose. The moose. The moose. moose I love... Oh, boy. The way that both Kurt and... What's the other guy's name? Holden. Holden. At the same time, he's like, you know, whatever that mystical beast is. And the way they both... I'm like, <laughs> it's clearly a wolf. It's a wolf. <laughs> wolf. Like, I, that... Man. Yeah. I laughed out loud at that. I like that she flirts with it first. Yeah. That's a nice little touch. She hasn't completely gone dumb blonde yet. Yeah, she's still clever. Mm-hmm. This I remember being a very anxious sequence when we saw it in the theater. You could feel the whole audience just oh, being like, like is the "Oh wolf God, yeah." yeah. yeah. And then, but it's one of those things where now, when you know that doesn't happen, yeah. and you're watching it back, you're like, "So this goes on for a while, huh?" <laughs> <laughs> Every time you look at at his at his the wolf's face, I laugh because it, like he, his facial expression, I get he's not like purposely making this facial expression, is so sincere and so passionate that like when everyone else is just chilling out, and you just have this. <laughs> It's just funny to look at. It just doesn't Wait, seem like it's... You know he's not alive, right? No, I know. That's okay. what I said. I understand he's not really... I said... No, you didn't say he's not alive. You said... <laughs> I know he's not making that expression on purpose. <laughs> like, that's, like you're, you're afraid that we, we don't know he has resting bitch face. <laughs> I know how this looks, guys. Oh, God, I know. <laughs> I'm really a very nice guy. <laughs> uh, Gilbert Godfrey has the same problem. <laughs> uh, resting bitch face. It's Dana's turn, but Kurt interrupts her and says, truth. Let me guess. You're just going to do truth. Dana's a real asshole. They gave him some real asshole chemicals. I was trying to, I'm trying to remember, did they name what chemical it was? Was it just? Oh, uh, Axe brought body spray. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> uh, so the del- cellar door pops open. Dare you go in the cellar? Down there, we've got dolls and creepy pictures and it's all a, sorts of badness. A basement full of nope. It is, <laughs> yeah. It's top to bottom nope. See, I I would immediately play with all this stuff. I would be, I would no. I would call all the demons upon <laughs> Just- me. <laughs> Because it just all looks like so much fun to play with. It's like we don't know we don't know which one was first. Tag. Yeah. Just send them just, all. Yeah, everything. <laughs> it's just like a, a unicorn and the merman's on back. And this is so cool though. Like I remember the first time we saw this yeah. being like, you know, one of the things Kurt picks up. It's a sphere, and you're like, oh, yeah. I get it. It's like the it's like the layman configuration from Hellraiser mm-hmm. instead of a box. It's a it's like a, it's a sphere that's so mm-hmm. cool, and it even moves in kind of the same yeah. way. There's like a, a book of the dead. Mm-hmm. You probably have to call it something else for copyright reasons. Sure, a n- notebook. 
of the not here's. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> he flips through that thing. Remember? <laughs> Terrifying. But yeah, this is everything. The production design for this part is unbelievable. And it's weird. Like these things that are just kind of when they're really old are just inherently creepy. Yeah. That mm-hmm. like, you know, an old bridal dress. Like, oh nope. man. Mm-mm. So creepy. No. Why? I want to know what is summoned when you play with like that old fortune teller machine. Oh yeah, that would have been great. Like a an old a crazy gypsy lady. What would tr- yeah? What would yeah. Tom what? Hanks from Big? I was gonna say, is it just an older version of you that comes and gets you? <laughs> what I don't get about the ballerina is they open the music box and the music plays, right? So, what was the added step? Yeah. Yeah. What did you yeah. need to do to call it? Make out with it, I think probably. <laughs> I mean, I dare you make out with that box. <laughs> I've seen a few of those movies. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for it. The only the thing that's a bummer about this scene is that later on, like clearly they can't do a sequel because yeah, you know, spoilers, everyone dies. But like, Good. I kind of want to see this same setup. Uh, like, I want to see what happens when you, you call the ballerina. I want to see what happens when you call Hellraiser, the fake Hellraiser. Spirit but but that's Hellraiser. the great thing about. Oh, we'll get to it, I guess. But like the way this progresses, like the way I felt the first time we saw this, because not really having any idea where this was going to go. And so when what they summon is actually coming for them, I have the same reaction that some of the people in the control room do, which is sort of like, oh, man, zombies like this is look at everything. Look at all that stuff on that whiteboard. And we just got the zombie. Oh, well, okay. And like and you yeah, you look at this basement and you go, oh, my God, this is a franchise. Yeah. But that's kind of the great thing about the movie is that by the time it's over i am so completely satisfied like you are never going to top the third act of this movie they blow their loads so hard (laughs) there that it's like i don't what what would you even do after this yeah yeah i mean that's just it as i'm saying it you know i i like that that part of the third act but the only sad thing about it is oh but what was going to happen with the pride and what were the creepy dolls? What but was this that? is something that came up when we did the that bonus Rogue One episode on Hey Do You Remember was like when we were talking about like this is just good world building. Yeah. When it when the whole premise it it gets you excited about these other possibilities or you want to extrapolate on every little detail in a scene of just like yeah. and your imagination runs wild. Like I would just rather that than like let's just really run this into the ground Fair. and yeah. exploit it with comic books and all that. It's yeah. good where this is this is a great standalone this is just a perfectly self-contained story. I haven't looked into this, but I bet it inspired a lot of fan fiction. I would imagine a lot of people are like, I'm going to write the prequel where Spherical Hellraiser comes up. Spherical Hellraiser. <laughs> <laughs> so Dana wins out. She reads from the diary. What is the Buckner girl from 1903. The husband bulge. <laughs> oh, God. And paint. They, they really just into pain. I guess they think it's holy yeah. or something. Dad stuffed coal into her mom's stomach. Which is, I mean, it's so it's so great that you get these details here because this is how Dana figures out what happened. Are, she, yeah. For her, it's the arm, the missing yeah. arm on the girl. But it, when the, the mom first comes out of the ground, mm-hmm. you can see the embers in yeah. her stomach. Yeah. It's all, it looks fantastic. It really does. So the zombies rise. Mom's belly's full of coal. The little sister's arm is hacked up. Brad Whitley says he wanted a merman. Brett, would you get one name right, please? Brad Whitley. Brad. <laughs> Say it one more time. I'm sure it'll be correct. <laughs> What's his name? Son of a bitch. You, you know what? You, actually, you've done a very efficient job of just like kind of condensing <laughs> the name. 
Bradley Whitford. <laughs> that, that Brad Whitley. I straight up wrote down Brad Whitley. <laughs> <laughs> no, Brad Whitley is the uh, local weatherman. You put his name inside his name. Wah. <laughs> <laughs> Whitford, what's their man? <laughs> yeah, that I love that this recurring yeah. joke. Got the conch in his hand. <laughs> Jules starts stripping. This is where her and Kurt both start behaving not like themselves because he's like yeah. he's back there going like "fuck yeah, baby," which we have not heard oh, him yeah. talk like. No, up and to this point. I mean they all kind of start doing that because Holden also all of a sudden has glasses on, right? And is reading when like previously he was throwing around the football with Kurt. Kurt's all of a sudden got a letter jacket on. Did he always have a letter jacket on or is it just more prevalent? Like, you're, notice it now. No, you're, you're right. Yeah. yeah. This is also kind of the part in the film where it's starting to click. Like, it's all starting to make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's weird about that I noticed this time is how does this whole ritual with these stereotypes that need to be punished work with the situation in Japan. I was it's, wondering that. Too. Well, they they there's a line later that the director says that the 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 ritual is different in every culture. But okay. yeah, but the part I was wondering about was as we're cutting away to not just Japan but there's the sequence where we're looking at all the failed mm-hmm. rituals mm-hmm. and all over the world and you think about this cabin and you're like, all right, it's remote. They've got complete control over it. This is a very contained situation. They're, one of the things they cut to, one of the things you see on a monitor, it looks like some sort of King Kong style yeah. ape laying there dead. It was like, how are we going to play this off right? when all is said and done? Is that not, I mean, I guess they can control like as much as they control. They somehow control the media. A whole city. It's a remote yeah. village more than a like a real hmm. city. Yeah. Oh, I, or, or like... Skull Island, I guess, if you've got yeah. a whole damn island. Oh, All right, yeah. well, hey, my A was cued. My Q was A'd. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> anyway, oh, Kristen, that terrible joke you made. If we could redirect to that, please. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh. Uh, so Kurt and Jules want to go bone in the woods. I like, uh, Kurt tells her we're all alone, and then you just, the, comedic editing jump to the suits watching them yeah yeah this is a great moment actually because this is the whole the speech about how you got to keep the customer satisfied yeah and like that's this is where the that whole other meta level of it becomes mm-hmm. very apparent where this is not just about horror movies this is about people that watch horror movies yeah. this is about people who make horror movies mm-hmm. and it's a really there are a lot of moments where i think they really get away with having their cake and eating it too in a way that a lot of meta stuff falls short of. Mm -hmm. And the other moment it made me think of, because you, there is this, we, as somebody who grew up watching horror movies, how many sex scenes in Friday, the 13th films have I sat through and you just never seeing someone else watching it and like, and just that. So creepy. Yeah. And and it, and it makes you think about something like that for the first Mm -hmm. time. And it reminds me, Wes Craven really liked this movie. But it reminded me of the beginning of Scream 2, where, like, the opening scene with Jada Pinkett, that scene where she gets killed in the movie theater, and the crowd is cheering, and, yeah. then, and then the way they all go silent is they realize she's actually been hurt. Yeah. And there's, it's not an accident. It's 100% intentional mm-hmm. that, that the, the camera just lingers on her dead face as long as it does before it cuts to the title. Yeah. And I, I, it's just a moment of going, like, let's just take a second. And really think about what we've sat down to enjoy here. Yeah. And it's so powerful. And this is 
this has a sort of a different intention behind it in that it's supposed to be like kind of funny, kind of gross, but mm-hmm. it, sort of the same thing about like, let's just take a second and yeah, yeah a little more objective view on, on what all of this is. Yeah. Cause you could very easily have gone with the, the, the two uh, suits being more into the nudity. And it seems like they're, they're a little bit more resigned and like, got to do this. This is part of it. Like they don't seem excited about this part. Which I find really interesting. And I, I'm not sure if it's more that they know it's about to actually be the murder part or they're grossed up by the like we have to watch them having sex part. Whatever it is, I, I kind of like that there is still a little bit of humanity. They've been yeah. entirely desensitized. Well, it's almost like cursory because I do think there is a moment when her top finally comes off that one of them, there is something about like, you know, like booyah or like something, but it's not a passionate, it's not a frat no. boy. Yeah. Tits. It's more of just like jackpot. Here we go. Now the, we get to yep. actually kill her. Like the, we're, I'm waiting for that. So but you're just, you're, to... but they're just, they're just checking that box yeah. the way that if you've watched enough horror movies, like, you kind of go like, Oh, here comes the sex scene. And yeah. then boom, did it. All right. Now that means that she's, you know, she's not long for this earth. Like yeah. that. So now we're, we're right on track and that's kind of what they're doing. There was some, some really nice layers. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but like just really quickly when she actually gets killed, their reaction to that it starts off, you start going like, oh, fuck. He's like so desensitized, he kind of has like no reaction. But then they cut to like the other guy, Richard Jenkins, mm-hmm. and he's definitely affected by this to some degree. The new guy is uh, 100% oh, yeah. affected yeah. by it. Even though there is not a single line of dialogue, there's a lot happening when you cut back to the control room. There's a lot of different stuff being expressed, which was mm-hmm. really nice. Uh, this is like a job that they, you know, believe is necessary and needs to be done, and they're mm-hmm. going to do a good job of it. But I they do understand that these are human lives that are mm-hmm. being sacrificed. You know, you said earlier that when the, the part with him, with Chris Hemsworth trying to jump that, that gap and get help, um, that you're conflicted. Cause you're like, you do, you want them to escape, but you're also part of you is rooting for the guys in the control room. And there is, especially as this all really goes like tits up and it really, yeah. it's getting, you are, there's part of you going like, how are the, how are they going to resolve this? Mm-hmm. And like, and yeah, it's kind of being torn and just these moments where I would catch myself going like, why, who do, why do I feel sorry for them? Like, why am yeah. I rooting for this person now? But the movie just like kind of effortlessly juggles both sides yeah. of this. They get attacked by the Buckners. Papa Buckner swinging a bear trap. Oh man. I've never, I would have never thought of that. And it's at first you're like, that's a ridiculous weapon. And you're like, no, well he, I mean, he makes it work. He's got the the style to pull it off. (laughs) Great accessory. (laughs) I wasn't sold on his look until he brought that thing out. I was like, you know what? That really brings it all together. The new fall look. (laughs) As long as you're not wearing one of those short sleeve (laughs) death shirts. Mm -mm. That's a faux pas, sir. So Jules dies. Kurt just clotheslines that little girl. Yeah. That's That's great. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, I feel like you... That that's a, weirdly a movement, movement, a moment I want in more horror movies of like the creepy little kid just like just getting like fucking punched. Yeah, it's a great. <laughs> you want, yeah, you want to see more children being punched? Who if doesn't? If they're creepy, like murder children, yeah, not right. like regular. I always hated kids. the anointed one. I wanted to punch the anointed one. Yeah, well, he's got clammy hands. <laughs> it's a great culmination too, because like that's the moment before that is where Marty is standing out there. And, the, and that great line, I thought there'd be stars, yeah. which is kind of mm-hmm. sad. And like, but you see the girl sneaking up behind him, and then Kurt comes running in, and like you, 
there's like a split second where you're like, did she disappear? She was standing right there, right? Yeah. And then it just, it just, bam, he just takes her out. Uh, so we, we missed uh, Holden and Dana making out. He's got a hu- husband bulge. Oh, yeah. Uh. He, she, he, she's about to cue his A. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know they were into that. <laughs> so after Kurt knocks out the girl, they barricade themselves in the cabin. I like, uh, well, I don't like, but it's a, it's a good surprise of I'm not leaving without jewels. And then Papa Buckner yeah. throws in her head like, well, now you have her. Uh, that is a really good fake head. It's, it was, it, it, yes. All the effects. Oh, well, okay. I'm a backtrack because I also skipped another part. All the effects minus one. Um, there's a few and it's my same issue with all of them. It's the CGI. Yeah. And so my big thing is it's various season seven Buffy, <laughs> the CGI blood. Yeah, because they use the exact same effect in Buffy, and it's almost the exact same thing of blood Mm -hmm. pouring into a symbol, and like, just it didn't work in season seven. You could have done this so easily in Mm -hmm. miniature, like you. This could have been practical. You didn't need the. I mean, like I understand when you're in the room and they're around you, fine. Then paint it red. But Mm -hmm. why, when you're just showing the blood going through the thing? You could have made this. Well, the Spent first five thousand dollars on a bong. The first really awkward. <laughs> that's a great point. The first really awkward one is the shot of the RV going like going through the tunnel, mm-hmm. like the headlights turn on, and that's uh, the whole thing. I think the entire shot might be CGI because like mm-hmm. the mountains and the sky and stuff. That's you know that all tends to look pretty good, um, but the RV, especially when it comes out the other side of the tunnel just looks so damn fake. The eagle looks fake. The entire shot just, it, it had, it just looks a little goofy. And then, yeah, as the movie went on, I just, it, it's not even just that it, they CGI the blood. It's that it's in moments where it would have been better without anything. Like yeah. the, the part where they drag Marty away and he gets pulled into that ditch and you don't oh, see and anything. Little... And then the spurt comes up and you're like, not only does it look like shit, mm. it, it was the better choice to just leave it as the sound effect. So then it, it doesn't seem quite as ridiculous when he comes back later. Yeah. yeah. And if, if you need that, it's that's like the easiest blood effect to do yeah. is literally just have somebody like throw some blood in the air. I wonder if it's it was a, a last minute addition. They yeah, decided they needed that. it. Seems like because in editing, they were like, uh, yeah. usually when they see, there's a lot of CGI blood now because it's easier. It's, it's less time on set. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, we know very well how time consuming anytime you introduce gore. It's very sticky. It's, it's just, mm-hmm. it's a whole to do. And the, and it's, and if you got to do multiple takes, it means wiping everything down, resetting. It's multiple a, costumes. So you need the costume without the blood. So you can add, the there's blood a million considerations. And so it's a lot cheaper and it's a lot faster to do it digitally. Um, but this is not a movie where uh, clearly they were not shy about using actual blood, fake blood, not actual. <laughs> no, they, they took the extra step. You guys, yep. I don't know if you knew that. Um, they actually ritualistically killed five people. They clotheslined just a whole school bus full of children, <laughs> drain their blood. That's what they're using in the film. Um, yeah, no. So it's just a weird Kind of like you went, you went so far with the real thing, and then yeah. why do we have these just ice, weird, isolated moments of clearly super fake blood? And I think also the, the the thing about CGI is when you notice it and it's bad, it's not fun. When you notice a bad practical effect, sometimes that can be charming and fun. That, I was thinking the exact same thing when you talk about the, this being a great severed head. Is like yeah. I kind of like in the Friday the Thirteenth yeah. movie where somebody's head gets chopped off, and, and you're like, "That's terrible." Yeah. It's like a step above paper mache, guys. <laughs> but I like that. Yeah. So Kurt's too smart for the suits. He wants them all to stick together. Yeah. They pump and 
chemicals and he immediately changes to we should split up. Uh, so they all go to their separate bedrooms. They get locked in. Marty finds his hidden camera. Thinks he's on a reality TV show, which is, I mean. Yeah. You'd yeah. think that. Yeah. I, I would think I was on like a really high budget version of scare tactics. Yep. That. Yeah. So good news. Jules isn't dead. It's all just a. Uh... That I oh boy I wish they had just that moment of like of thinking deciding this was all fake yeah and then, and then she grabs him through the window that would of, have been a fun take on it where it's like oh okay who come yeah. on is it yeah. is it Ashton Kutcher <laughs> yeah he gets grabbed through the window and uses the thermos bong as a bat a super dramatic shot of just extending yeah. it like a lightsaber yes <laughs> but Judah stabs him with a trowel and drags him away. When they send his blood down to the ancient ones, mm-hmm. it's like they know. They do. I think this is the first time I realized the whole reason that there was then an earthquake. Like somebody's getting excited because they're like, no, no, he's not no, dead. You he's assholes. Dead. You, you, you fucked it up too soon. And I also heard that uh, you could also there's a you can interpret it as a also kind of a meta joke about how it's always sucks in a horror movie when there's a death off off screen. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, come on. They escape through the basement which is referenced in little girls what is the girl's name the the, the diary yeah. uh as the black patience thank you the black room right so i was just telling you have patience you'd remember coincidentally uh, her name was also patience uh-huh. Wah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a <our> reset <laughs> okay uh so papa buckner bear traps holden Oof. jules stabs him through the eye with a crowbar nice gross but he's still alive so she just stabs much of time with the knife i have an issue with this i think it should be reversed oh because you kill the brain yeah you, she should have stabbed much of times like oh he's still alive through the brain money mm. shot mm. i'll sign off on that <laughs> okay, good. carry on <laughs> they escape to the rv Meanwhile, back with the suits, the Japanese schoolgirls were defeated. Shit or they did is defeat. That amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's so Japanese. This is another thing. I love that it's it just keeps escalating yeah. where they're like they're standing in a circle singing and you're like, what? And then it's like the four flowers. Yeah. And, and then and it's then the, the frog. frog. And, then and then they comment on now she will live in the happy frog. frog. And then the way I just oh, I could just watch this on repeat, the way Richard <laughs> Jenkins gets in front of that screen. Fuck, fuck you. you. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Joss and Drew wrote that that the, like they had to film it and this wasn't like just I love that just out of context I can't imagine reading that going okay <laughs> they only got their pages <laughs> yeah, that would be a weird thing to, to film of like wait is the, trust me like this is all gonna make sense I thought we were doing a horror movie what's <laughs> up uh, so the suits problem is now America's the only hope and the tunnel is open I think it's weird at this point that Richard Jenkins' character, like, he's running through the halls. He's like, gotta, you know, fix the tunnel. And everyone else is just milling about. No one's paying attention to, like, this one big day a year. No one's watching. No, every, like, no one's working. Unless There's... they have their jobs, they've done their jobs, and now... Well, I think is... that's kind of the thing, is, like, they're the, the operations guys. Everyone else has kind of done their jobs, more or less. Like, so, I mean, it uh, almost kind of speaks to, like, the bureaucracy of it that... Even though this is the one thing they do, the entire building full of people could just not know that it's not gone correctly. 
So the tunnel collapses. I like this because it's the, again, this is another moment that kind of on a meta level, if you think of them in the control room as the writers, you have to manufacture a reason for your characters to stay isolated so that the story can continue the Mm -hmm. way it needs to. Yeah, and I do feel like if this was made a little bit later, they would have had to comment on the cell phone issue. Mm-hmm. It feels like it, like in 2009, it was probably like just not ubiquitous enough to yeah. feel like you needed to to address it directly. Yeah. Even though like horror films for years before that had been more or less, but it's not like so common at that point. Yeah, at that point, wow, this is so nuts to think about because it doesn't feel like this movie came out that long ago but mm-hmm. what the iphone was what 2007 somewhere around there yeah, yeah and so it it, it it takes a few years before everybody's walking around with yeah that or an equivalent mm-hmm. of that so kurt's gonna jump the chasm in his motorcycle that you know we, we've seen tied to the back of the rv Again, I forgot about the eagle. So this speech, man, it, Chris Evansworth is such a good actor. He's just like, it, it's very inspiring. You know, he's very emotional. He's going to make them pay. And just, oh my God, yes, he's going to do it. He's going to save us. Oh, guys, I want him to make it. That's, you're supposed to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Remember Star Trek? He was just so good. So oh, God. He jumps and he, he he hits this force field. And, and then you really see him fall for a long time. I assume he died instantly. Oh, yeah. I, well, it's I mean, great, though, just, just the, the way that it keeps lighting up as he hits it. So mm-hmm. you see that yeah. this thing just keeps Never going. Ends. Yeah. They decide that we're just going to keep driving the other way. We don't even get that far because there's a Buckner in the RV. And this is another surprise. We're yeah. like, Holden's now making his speech. And we're like, you're mm-hmm. the only one left. You got to stick with me. We'll make it. He, he's got the very, he's got a beautiful smile. And then just through the neck, yep. Buckner gets him. They got Crash into the lake. I get very, very stressed out about any sort of like water escape scene. Because mm-hmm. I have asthma. I can maybe <laughs> hold my breath for three seconds. Okay. So, like, anytime I'm watching these scenes, I will hold my breath with the character. To see if you can do it? Yeah. yeah I do that, too. And no, I would die every time. You know what's cool I noticed for the first time is when they first hit the water and you first see it start to flood through the RV, when it hits Holden, it's just a cloud of red around him as the water mm-hmm. spreads. Yeah, it's cool. it's such a cool detail, and it's so quick, but it's such a great detail. The guard is confused, but, you know, the girl's still alive. Mm-hmm. We learn that the virgin's death is optional as long as she's last. So she may, if she survives, fine. As long as she suffers. Yes. And I was wondering about that with the first time we saw this. So it was just like, as, as this all starts to come together and you're going like, okay, so we're riffing on horror movies and having that exact thought, like, but wait a minute, the, she gets away more often than not. So how are they going to mm-hmm. reconcile that? So then this line, I was like, ah, yeah. of course. My question though is that like, there is no fucking way she's surviving because, like, she's stuck in a force field town. Like, she in a force field town. She can't get out. Well, they might they might lift the force field once you know he could he could be. Like I think a they could once man. it's in the bag. I or no no that's not true because they at this moment they think that's what's happening and they allow it to continue rather yeah. than shutting it down. Yeah. Okay, prequel idea. Um, if they ever had to for some reason. Maybe Amy Acker, final girl from an earlier installment. And that's why she kind of has sympathy for it. She like finds out what it is, but like accepts that it's a necessity. Mm. And that's why she is is less desensitized, but still works for him. I love that. 
I mean, I, I don't think there should be a prequel, but if there no. had to be. I mean, no. Yes. Uh, so Dana's fighting Papa Buckner. The suits aren't even watching at this point. They just no, go straight just to party. in the background. So she's getting her ass kicked for a long time. I, I think he knows it's the last one. It's like, gotta make this one last. <laughs> this is where I get the meta thing of the, um, don't you feel gross for enjoying horror movies of the the juxtaposition of mm. them partying and not even respecting her death in the background enough to pay it attention well and it's nice how they kind of show two very common ways of watching a horror film because in the in the sex scene earlier it's more of like the i'm watching a horror film by myself which when you see somebody else more or less by themselves there are other people but not like a whole big group that yeah it is kind of creepy to just just see somebody getting enjoyment by themselves out of like mm, sex and violence. Um, not that I think that's really what horror fans, because I no, I don't either. We gotta um, be. I want to be very careful yeah. about the kind of generalizations we're making here. But like, there is an element of like, yeah, there is something to to think about with that. And then there's also this is more of like another common thing is like for a Halloween party, say you'll right. have horror films on in the background yeah. and there's just like crazy intense, like violence, chainsaws and blood and everything. Everyone's just like drinking and having a good time, not even paying attention to the, the horrors that are happening. Yeah. So they, they want to know why that tunnel didn't blow. It was this weird electrical glitch from upstairs. And then the red phone rings. It's just commissioner Gordon. It's fine. <laughs> just as Papa Buckner is about to deliver the finishing blow. Marty to the rescue. That rescue bong. <laughs> oh, that was that famous Christian Slater movie. Rescue bong. Rescue bong. <laughs> they made some weird changes to the real life story. <laughs> Dana and Marty make a run for it. Marty jumps into the Buckner's grave. There's a there's the body. And he says, I had to dismember that guy with the trowel. <laughs> just so not. Oh, just that pile of person. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh my god. Grave opens up to an elevator, and they realize that someone sent the zombies. It was clearly, as we're about to learn, the initiative. Yeah. Oh, straight up. This is, I mean, this is <laughs> yeah. like, a, what the, is Primeval? Is that the episode yeah. of Buffy where yeah. it's kind of just like a the bargain bin version I of I feel this. like, especially since the whole story is they, they wrote the script famously in three days. Mm -hmm. um, I'm guessing just the first draft. Yeah. Sure. Um, I'm guessing there were some rewrites. Um, if not, then great job, guys. That's incredible. <laughs> um, uh, but like, I always feel like Maybe because they kind of realized like primeval didn't work, even on a subconscious level. That's like kind of came out in this is like let's make a version of that that works. Let's redeem it. Yeah. Well, this is the moment I think for a lot of people when they get in the elevator and you start seeing what's actually mm -hmm. underneath, and that this is the moment it goes from a movie that you're like, yeah, this is pretty good, I like this, yeah. to like, oh shit, this just became an all timer. Yeah. 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 There could there could be a version of this movie where it's kind of you know a different third act or the second act is a little bit extended and played out a little bit more. They give some more time to the backstory, but this element of making it like no, there's a whole smorgasbord mm -hmm. of every conceivable monster. This is a thing you would think of as a kid that you'd be like, they'd never make this. Movie. Right. This would never happen. I can see how just on if you were pitching this movie, just getting to this part. Of just mm -hmm. like, well, here's here's a blank check. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just sounds incredible. Is this scene, specifically the part where they're on the elevator, is my favorite scene in the movie. And I I also just love the way it's shot because it's mm -hmm. it starts out with they're just in this glass elevator and you don't really see anything. And then you reveal 
the werewolf. Yeah. Ah, it's awesome. And then like, it, it's just, we slowly were getting more and then there's two, one on either side and then there's this mist that becomes a ghost yeah. and it's just more and more until you see the vastness mm-hmm. of the collection. And though, yeah, just even the way that like the elevator goes down, but then it goes to the side and yeah. then it moves yeah. around and it's just, it's, oh my God, it's so mm-hmm. good. We have, we see the ballerina with the ghost face that was I, face. Uh, I love how she's credited the sugar plum fairy. Oh, and then, oh, and then on the other side is not Pinhead. Yeah. Right. Hellraiser wannabe. You want to know his uh, name? Oh, I did. Yeah. What was uh, Fornicus, the Lord of bondage and pain or something like that yeah but fornicus he's the most terrifying and all he does is sit there and make really intense eye- i mean granted well, eye contact like makes me uncomfortable but like just the really intense but especially if you're a giant guy with saws in your head <laughs> that like do not i don't want to be on the same side of the glass as you ever don't you hate it when you're on like the train and just across the way <laughs> some guy with a bunch of saws in his head he just keeps looking at you just, what 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 uh so on the zoom out i was trying to like write down all the stuff that i could see Got the werewolf, the ghost, the ballerina, Hellraiser, giant spider, giant snake, clown, clown, the shining, shining twins, twins, a centipede mm. is the worst. I think I'm not fucking around. I think there's a kitten in there. Yeah, there's a kitten. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was, <laughs> that's the one I want to be in. Yeah, I was looking, and there's, there, I mean, there's huge lists, and then you can go for like stuff you can see once the the purge part yeah. happens, and then there's in the novelization even more things mentioned. That's so, like, amazing. It's. I mean, if you look at the list, it's, it must be easily a hundred different things. Wow. The elevator opens. We get a Sigourney Weaver voiceover. It's the first time we've heard her. I'm assuming she's the director, right? Yeah. They refer to the director a bunch of times. You know that also considered for that role, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Which I think, I love Sigourney Weaver, and I can see how this all this also works. There's, you know, the Alien franchise and all that. Sure. But like, but she's also an actress that you associate with a lot of genre fare, but more... To me, it's more sci-fi stuff. Whereas when Jamie Lee Curtis, if she walks up, amazing, you don't have to explain it. You don't have to think about it. You just understand immediately what they're doing because she was legitimately a scream queen. She owes everything to the horror Mm -hmm. genre. Yep. Although, I mean, and who knows what would have happened if she had been this. I almost feel like she's become too associated with that kind of stuff. Like she did H2O and or she's done scream Queens and she's done a lot of stuff commenting on it. So it's so a little like too it would cute be, for her. It'd to... be like one of many things that she's done like this, where it's like, you know, yeah. Scorning Weaver did maybe two more alien sequels than she should have, but uh, like, it's not, a, it's not as uh, expected for her to be in this. So I, I, I kind of like that choice more, but there, I think they both would have been She's, she's got a very sympathetic speech here. She says, I'm sorry this didn't go quicker. Those monsters that you saw, they're terrible, but they are nothing compared to what came before. We must placate the ancient ones. This I love because now we're not just talking about, we've got all of our movie monsters. We've, we've checked those boxes. Mm-hmm. But this idea is very Lovecraftian. And I, I, I love that element. In fact, I wish we had seen... A little bit, not not too much, but just a little bit more of like when they're standing on that platform at the end, and you can they know there's stuff moving underneath them, mm-hmm. and you get these little tiny glimpses of what of what's under there. I wouldn't have minded seeing just a teeny bit more, like yeah. just just like, just a little bit uh, more of a hint of there's body. Yes, there's some uh, kind of only a little creature, bit. Yeah, and because that was the whole idea with the Lovecraft stuff is like these the these horrors are so unimaginable that if you were to actually look upon one you would go insane. Mm-hmm. And then so the, and then the only other part of that 
that kind of disappoints me in the movie is like when you get the that final shot. I wish yeah, it weren't well, a human hand. Yeah, mm. yeah. I I I don't mind that it comes up. I love that it smashes the cabin. Wish it wasn't a hand, or if it had to be a hand, at least make it like an inhuman hand, not right. just like a hand that's got lava veins. Yeah. I am not familiar with Lovecraft's stuff. I mean, I, like I obviously know the generic stuff everyone knows about, you know, Ancient Ones and Cthulhu. It's very Lovecraft. I, I hear that term a lot. It's very Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. I've never read anything by Lovecraft. I don't really know it. This is the only part of the movie I don't like. I don't like anything where they talk about the Ancient Ones. I guess I think a huge part of that is just just that, though, of just not having that familiarity with it. It's like you, if mm. all of the other staples of the genre we're commenting on here, I love that there's a way to work this one in, too. That you can't, obviously, Cthulhu is not going to be in one of these cubes. It's like the, and the idea that, I mean, it's just, it's the spirit of that material, the, these ancient beings, and with, like, you know, the... Cthulhu residing somewhere in the depths of an ocean. And like part and, of it being there's there's cultists, there's people who perform rituals to try to like yeah. placate them or to serve them in some way. That's another common thing. I think it's, of- I, actually, I honestly think it's really smart. I think this is an, a, a, an unbelievably tight story, a surprisingly well thought out premise and like kind of every avenue of it sufficiently and satisfyingly explored. To me, is is such a tonal shift that it seems like this came out of nowhere to me. And I remember at the time being like, "What the hell is going on? Where did you see it going?" I have no idea. And I and ever since we saw it, I've been trying to in my head write what I would think would be a better ending. I think even keeping it in industrial setting that we've been in, and like to me, it's weird that we even go to this new room with lava but like but, if it was oh but i like that the facilities built around that 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 it yeah. it ex- that existed and first e- and even like the, the the thing that unleashes the blood into the thing is obviously like something that was built not originally but seems like something from the 1800s so it's like they've built it and changed around it and eventually this has become this super modern facility but it's still built on this ancient ritual that they have to do which kind of ties it into like horror films being you know a natural extension of, of human storytelling and sto- telling stories of monsters. And then it kind of changing into this giant industry that's kind of made it a little bit uh, more predictable and bland and commercial in a way that kind of robs it of its, of its, I mean, that's um, base aspect. That's an amazing read of it. Yeah. And even just the idea, like they say in the film about, you know, when the, the new guy's reaction to all of this saying like, it's the stuff of nightmares and she corrects him and says like, no, it's actually the other way around that. It's yeah. like, this is where nightmares come from. It's mm-hmm. they're based on this and that, but even still all these things that we, we recognize as monsters, they are nothing compared to the ancient ones. Like if you think this is bad. And so, and, and of course, so then it makes perfect sense to me that like, you don't actually want to see those. You don't want to ruin it and show that. I see what you're saying, Mike, and that's a really good mm. read on it. I guess I didn't get that, so I feel like maybe they mm. should have be- done a better job of that. Like I, I did not get going through these tunnels that's going through different layers of this. To me, it's just they turn a corner and they're in the lava room. Mm. I see. Okay, 
So I, I was totally not with you up until that last part when, cause when you were saying like they should have done a better job of it thinking like, no, don't, please don't spell this out. I look, cause there's so much about this movie that when you, you know, somebody says something and you go, oh, it had never occurred to me. Like when, you know, the whole thing about these guys in the control and being the writers, they need mm-hmm. to manufacture situations. I like that the movie is peppered with moments that you can read more than one way or something that maybe doesn't occur to you on your first viewing, but it's there. It's in there later. That's so satisfying to me. And what Mike just said about the ending, honestly, it's like, it, it just made me so excited. Cause it's like, yes, God, of course, of course. And it's so totally in line with all the other decisions they made with the film. And I don't, I wouldn't want that. Like I, I wouldn't want to be hit over the head with that. But then what you said about there, but still like, then let's just make maybe a slightly bigger deal about this descent Right. To, and to have them commenting have on how more, things are changing. Have more set design elements to hint at it. Yeah. Not, not necessarily have somebody like blatantly spell it out in a way that would be cheesy, but yeah. Yeah. I think they, yeah, I think you're right that they could have done a better job of making it like very obvious. This is connected and we're maybe going through like, oh, this is a little bit older. This looks more like it's from the 60s. And then this looks like this was built in, you know, pioneer times. And then it's like, oh, this is getting weird that it's a little bit more. Uh, you can you can see it visually more. I think would would help. Yeah, I get what you're saying there. The hints they've been dropping all along, the way the story's been progressing, it didn't feel as left field to me. I mean, we they've been talking about the if the whole idea of the ancient ones had been sprung on us like right now, yeah, like it, then it would be like it might feel more like oh you didn't you didn't have an ending yeah. <laughs> like we just and then we just arrived here and you had to f- come up with something but i've i've just never felt that way watching it of just that this wasn't what it was building to i really don't know if i would have more um affection for it if i had an affection for lovecraft i mean mm. i i have zero knowledge of that stuff mm. you don't you don't love lovecraft <laughs> i could maybe i'll read it and like it maybe i should check that out That'd more my more like craft <laughs> <laughs> You have um, to do craft work. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Uh. Womp womp. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you were saying. So before we get there, we we do have the system purge. Yeah, with the probably the 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 worst design flaw since the Death Star. Right. Yeah. I mean, why would that button exist? I do but like I, though that they yeah. press it. The idea of like fuck these guys. Yeah, but I just but yeah, the whole yeah. I, I a lot of people have a problem with this. Yeah. I am such a fan of what it leads to that I that I, I'm I, okay. I'm I think okay the, with it. The movie kind of acknowledges that it's ridiculous. Like it, it because even the design of it is it's a little a little goofy. Yeah, like they, they're like, no, we just want this to happen. We're not going to have them happen. hack on a computer. Here's or, your prequel. Yeah. It's the two guys installing it, and the one's like, he's like, uh, yo, hey Jim, you got that that button installed right? The uh, the emergency button. You just incinerates all the monsters if shit gets out of hand. It it what, you know the the precaution the the final security measure. What do you mean what? No, yeah, that's what I that's what I did. That's what it does is what I did just now. So we're all yep, we're good. That's what that button does. Oops. Whoa. I mean, we got so this thing releases and everything comes out of the elevators. We got a pterodactyl. We got a witch. We've got a Groot. We've got the mayor. We've got Wally. Everything's coming out of it. Well, you know what? The uh, the Groot is referred to on the board of mm. potential monsters is angry molesting tree. Oh, no. From Evil Dead. Oh. Because it straight up rapes a girl. Uh. So, yeah. 
What a way to go. I am Groot. You know what is oh, in there? Huh. There's a Reaver in there. Yep. Oh, damn. Yeah, it throws somebody over the edge right before the giant snake comes Yeah. Up. Yeah. It's like, it's not even, uh, oh, if you look close in the yeah. upper corner, of it's yeah. right there. The unicorn. I like a like. That's random. <laughs> Holy shit. And it stabs the dude with, what the fuck? I want to see, I want to see the year that the unicorn was chosen. Yes. That's the freak I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And then the merman. Well, before that, the the, the Billy Boy Scout, the one who's been raising all sorts of objections to all this, the new guy, yeah, yeah he gets the Day of the Dead death scene. Oh, mm, the, yeah. the colonel that gets ripped apart. Yeah. yeah, only this one, he's got the grenade. That's an amazing yeah. shot when the, he explodes. Everything around him explodes. It sends the other dudes in the control room flying. Oh. That part's oh, it's amazing. And then yeah, the 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 reaction to the merman coming out of the the smoke. Oh come on! <laughs> I so did you guys read that a, that the way this was rigged up, it yeah. just shot blood out for like nine minutes. Yeah, no, yeah, and then they just had to wait, and then they used like the last ten seconds of the shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why did it they just build it that? Sat there, just. Oh my god, this thing was so gross. And I love how it's just like it's ugly. It looks like a blobfish. It's just like, rah, rah. yeah. Oh, not what I was expecting at all. No, it's really great. And the whole, the previous line about like, you know, it's such a, it's a bitch to clean up after. Yep. Yeah. That's and you're like, off. true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Be don't. careful what you wish for. <sighs> it might eat you. I'm going to get eaten by a million dollars. I think so. Yeah. You got to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> I did mention in an earlier episode that money might become haunted. <laughs> that's why you go to an oxen based currency so i think i think yeah. you're on to something there Cannon. <laughs> dana kills richard jenkins on accident yeah like, or just because there's so much shit yeah, going on you turn a corner acting. something's yeah. there ah yeah and uh, you never know he might be you know the the stepfather or yeah these people in this building were trying to kill them so as far i mean like also, everyone in yeah. here is everyone an enemy. is yeah. an enemy that's true uh, Richard Jenkins begs her, please kill him, which is yeah. just like, whoa. But that's a weird request. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, I know like dying wishes, but. <laughs> Did you mean please help me? <laughs> Are you confused? You say it weird. You have a bad accent. <laughs> Sorry, I'm building. <laughs> uh, we get to the chamber with the blood pictures. Sigourney Weaver comes in. Um, explains the order in which this goes. You've got the whore. She's corrupted. She dies first. The athlete, the scholar, the fool. I like I like the little shrug he gives. Like, oh, yeah, cool. when he realizing like which one he is. Yeah. yeah. And the virgin, the last to live or die. I like the like. I'm not. Yeah, we make we, do. Yeah, we work we with work what we have. have yeah. <laughs> If he doesn't, if the fool isn't yeah. sacrificed, yeah. it's like you either kill him and save everyone or he dies anyway. Plus, so does everyone else. In theory, this could, I mean, if he just happens to die from the old one before she does, then. Oh, you're saying like if he gets crushed first. Yeah. And they're like, oops, guys, we jumped the gun. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Turns fine. out. Sorry, everybody. Clean up the merman junk. We'll rebuild <laughs> your cabin. <laughs> oh, boy. Just the giant hands, Bray. Damn it. I feel like working out a model. Damn it, Frank. I got excited. I just I needed leverage to get myself up. It's so long, guys. It's cramped down there. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, it's, you know, kill your friend and 
save the whole world or let your friend live. But then, you know, you're all going to die anyways and bring hell on earth. Uh, Marty thinks that they should let hell on earth come because he's going to die anyways. Well, it's also been his like kind of viewpoint since the beginning of the film. Yeah. And that is a very like late teens, early 20s stoner perspective to have. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think this is also the reason I'm not a fan of the ending is because they're making the really selfish decision. Like to save the world. To save the world. Well, here's the difference. You know, though, like, because so she, Dana pulls the gun on him. Mm-hmm. That, I think, is kind of important because it's the mm-hmm. difference between even knowing what's at stake, having to point a weapon at your friend and you be the one that pulls the trigger. It's not that Sigourney Weaver's holding the gun saying, like, just yeah. get out of my way so I can save the world. Like, mm-hmm. I know this sucks. All you have to do is move. That's different than you as a human being have to execute another human being. And even though there's a logical part of you going like, I understand what happens if I don't do this. There's a very human part of you going like, but I still, I cannot murder someone. I cannot murder my friend. For Marty, you're going to die then either way. I'm sorry, buddy. I really like you. You're really nice, but jump in. So here's another way I think they could have gone with it to, address that because i also don't think that what i just said is is completely reflected she seems pretty gung-ho about having to do this and then it and she's ready to until the the werewolf shows up yeah if she's holding the gun but you can see she is not going to pull this trigger she wants to but she can't and if he's the one saying like you know what it's okay yeah and then then there's the werewolf and oh fuck and then we just you know i I mean i guess the, the ending i kind of want from this is that Marty ultimately sacrifices himself and it's a sad fucking ending and you're surrounded by this death and your friends are gone and you won, but everyone is dead. And then maybe the cycle continues in that Dana now works for them. It makes the point, the meta point more to have this ending of like, fuck you, we're not going to do the formula and if you like revolts and there's no more uh, horror films instead of the world, just think of the, the, the movie as as horror films is the world. Uh, it's like, well, then fuck it. We're not just going to keep giving you what you want every year. We can't let this this cycle of just making generic movies that aren't clever, that just follow the formula. If we just don't have them, fine. And I think that's that's it. It, it might not feel as realistic if this was happening in real life. But it makes the meta point, I think, a little better. I guess I kind of like the nihilistic thing about, like, you have to continue this cycle. Yeah, the world's, you know, a really fucked up place and it has a lot of problems. And this cycle itself is fucked up. But the alternative is we'll die. Like, I like thinking that better. I like thinking Marty's a hero better than I would rather let the world burn. Like, whoa, buddy, that's selfish. They don't believe that this system is better than the end of the world. And I mean, I don't say that I personally agree with that, but like, I understand where they're coming from after having been through what they've been through. It's like, why would I want this to keep happening? Why would I want a world that would allow this to keep happening to go on? We don't deserve to to be here anymore if this is what we're doing. It's it's extreme. Because that I mean, that is what he says. Maybe it's yeah. time to let someone else have a shot. Yeah. 
I can see this both ways. Like Mike, what you said about it being it's serving kind of the meta point they're trying to make or to, you know, subvert the way it's supposed to go. Mm -hmm. But then Kristen, I don't think you're totally off base with like, well, but if this is going to be the decision they come to, if this is going to be the viewpoint, then maybe the story needs to earn it a little bit more so that when the characters make the choice, we don't sit there going like, wait, why? Like it should, it has to be when the choice is made, we have to understand why it's being made and hate it anyway. And like, and that's part of why we hate it is because like, God, you would do that. Or like, yeah, that this does make sense that you would feel that way. Because I don't know that having Marty have the one line at the very beginning about the world, it all, it all needs to crumble down or whatever. Like, I don't know that that's necessarily enough to get to where we, we get to at the end because my feelings on both of them shift pretty dramatically. The second she voluntarily pulls a gun on him and is about to pull the trigger. I'm just sort of like, look, I know Sigourney Weaver's making a very compelling argument, but she needs to be a little bit more conflicted about it than yeah. she is. Cause that, and that's where I make a turn on her. And then when his whole attitude of just, of not even having a moment yeah. of like, it's okay. You know what? Just do it. So that then when we get to the end, it's just the two of them sitting there and they're and then the you know kind of chatting and laughing about you know the circumstances they're in. It's just sort of like I don't know that I like either one of you anymore. Yeah. If it's what we were talking about earlier, where she's got the gun on him, but she can't do it, and he's saying just it's for the good of of everyone else. Like I, you have to do this. And then the werewolf not just attacks her, but kills her. And then it's like, well. But couldn't he still... Oh, because she died first. Yeah. yeah. And then you just have to sit there and let the clock run out. Yeah. Then I would. I think I'd feel better about that. I know. I, I kind of feel like the movie wants you to be upset. I do, too. That's kind of the thing, though. It's just, and I, I, I don't know. I feel like a lot of the other endings that you could do, I feel like I could walk out not really being upset or feeling like a point had been made. When I feel like this... The way it ends, there, there is something gained by... An ending just kind of pissing you off. And I don't know that another ending would have done it. And I don't know that the kind of the point of the movie would have gotten across. I get what you're saying. I just, I guess I care way more about just the story separate from the meta. Like I, mm-hmm. at this point in story, I don't care about the meta point. I just want a satisfying ending to the story that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I don't find this to be a satisfying ending. That's, I mean, that's, that's totally fair. Yeah, yeah it, it absolutely is. Speaking of which, though, like the whole like burn it down. To, is Joss okay? Does he need a hug? It's just <laughs> very I, no, I think it's more about yeah. just, I don't know, that when you think about the genre as a whole of just like, let's, like, you know, this is, see, this is where I want to be careful with how we discuss certain aspects of the film because I think there are a lot of horror movie fans that don't like this movie because they feel like they're being talked down to that the that somehow the people behind the film and the film itself feels like it is above the things it is commenting on that it's kind of, there's kind of a condescending tone to it i don't agree but i but i can see i can see that i i could i understand why someone would feel that way and i and then and so when we you know moments where you start to talk about like well, because it's just, it's another way to comment on the way people watch these movies. You, I, I just don't want to make sweeping generalizations about people that like horror movies because I am someone who likes horror movies. And so I think this is as much a critique of trends in horror mm-hmm. movies that Joss and Drew noticed as much as it is a love letter to mm-hmm. this. And so I guess the w- one way to take the ending is sort of just like, 
So let's just do better. Like let's just burn it down and let's, we don't, maybe we don't have to check all of these boxes every Mm -hmm. time. Maybe we can find new and different and creative ways to tell these types of stories. Because clearly just from like the details they put in, it's like there are clearly horror films that they love. Oh yeah. I mean, there wouldn't be that much detail if you didn't love it, but it's kind of saying like, okay, if we've done this story and we've done it every way you can think of to do it, let's do something else now. It's not that these are bad. It's just that if we just keep doing it and keep checking off boxes, it's just going to become Let's mindless. defy the way this is supposed to go. Yeah. Let's let's have the final girl resist the idea of being the final girl. Yeah. That's like, I am let's not ha- going to play that part. Let's the full- have our heroes just kind of be selfish in the end, kind of for no good reason. Like, just because they're just, like, fed up and they're just like, fuck it. And then that makes the larger point of, like, you know, we're not just going to accept this because this is, you know, what we can get, what we are getting. It's kind of hard to influence it. Like, no, we can we can do better. And that's and even just like the, you know, on a larger level, the line, maybe it's time to let someone else have a shot yeah. or, you know, whatever the, the exact line is. Let somebody else take a shot at it. I'm do not consider this movie to be talking down to me. I also enjoy horror movies. I know not as much. As you do, I get way more easily scared than you do. Um, That's a good thing, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but I I enjoy being scared. Otherwise, I wouldn't watch them. And to me, when they're pointing out things like, you know, the dudes watching the sex scene or partying while the girl's getting murdered, it's not, it doesn't feel judgmental to me. But like one of those scenes where like, like, just take a step back and be like, it's weird that we do this, right? It's weird that I want to be scared. That's a little weird, right? And, you know, obviously there's like, people will write essays about why we enjoy that and why we like mm-hmm. horror movies. Um, that, by the way, I have to say that as somebody who grew up with as many people who also loved a lot of the same stuff I was into with, and specifically with like horror movies, there were as many of those people as people who did not get it and, mm-hmm. at, at all. And the kind of people who make assumptions about people who are fans of this genre that like, oh, so you're like secretly a serial killer and and you're just, you know, you're this like super dark, obsessed with death person. And I mean, you know, this is a generalization in the other direction, but I'm just based on my own personal experience, people who like horror movies who are like into this stuff and can have fun with this stuff are generally like so sympathetic and such mm-hmm. giant softies. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the reason for that is that one of the things it's like the, what you said about like, well, essays about why we enjoy this stuff, why we enjoy being scared. Well, I mean, one of the things that's so great and it's illustrated so wonderfully in this particular film is that this is a very safe way to experience very terrible truths. Mm-hmm. This is a safe way to confront these sorts of fears and like, yeah, we're, we're exaggerating them through monsters or this guy in a hockey mask or whatever it is, but we are confronting mortality. We're con and, and in a way that that's disguising it enough that we're, it's, it's not the same as sitting there obsessing over the fact that this is temporary and someday you're going to die. It's pretty fucking heavy. And so stuff like this, it's just like, it's a way to kind of like process that in a, in, mm-hmm. and just, I, I mean, I keep saying like in a safe way, but that's kind of what it mm-hmm. is. And I think it's, it's the people who who want to a- avoid that, who just want to turn and look the other way and have a very a more myopic view of life and of, of trying to diminish all of these terrible truths. That sort of repression, I think, is way more dangerous mm-hmm. than someone who is willing to confront it. Mm-hmm. 
wanting to be scared is a great thing. Trying to turn your head from all of the things that you don't want to look at or that make you uncomfortable. That's a a trickier tightrope to walk, I think. A lot of people who aren't into horror tend to assume that you can only watch horror in a way where it's like, well, you can't care about any of the characters. You can't have compassion for them or else you couldn't watch this. And I feel like it's almost the opposite that it would mean nothing. It would be so boring. And that the worst horror films are the ones where you don't care who lives or dies. Right. Um, It's that you have compassion that, you know, like, Oh, that's the tension of it. That's, that's, that's the, where, where both the excitement and the sadness and the fear comes from, even though it can be fun to watch a bad horror film where that's done wrong. Mm -hmm. I think people who really like horror tend to be ones who enjoy the elements where it's like, Oh, these are interesting characters that I care about. And seeing how they try to get out of this or kind of the tragedy of it in a, in a classical sense and almost like a Greek sense of this. Uh, like I remember from one of the Friday the 13th, it's just really sad that there's this character who like finally found a connection with somebody. It was like they're going to have sex, but it was more it felt more about the connection they're about to have. And then when he gets killed, it's really sad because he he th- that's his tragedy. And you wouldn't feel that if you didn't care about it and you didn't care about the characters and have compassion. Yeah, I also I understand that there are people that like don't don't like being scared. I didn't mean to frame that as like being there's something there's actually something wrong with you if yeah. you don't. And I understand that people that just they can't handle gore. They mm-hmm. just they're that you know, I understand that part of it. I'm just yeah. I it just to in general, it, it just it, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with someone if they do enjoy this sort of thing. And whereas you yeah. might look at a Friday the Thirteenth movie and go, "This is disgusting. How can anyone watch this?" Mm-hmm. Someone else is sitting there going, "Like it's not about getting off on the fact that it, it's like blood and guts. It's like you kind of sit there and go, like it's just classic sleight of hand stuff where you sit there and go, how the how did they do that? Like yeah. there there is mm-hmm. an artistry, there is a level of creativity in the horror genre that is just like, it's kind of staggering. It's it's kind of unparalleled. Especially because so many of them have such a small budget that you know, like we did that practically and like there's stories mm-hmm. about, you know, tubes that like, and someone was just on the other end squeezing yeah. this little thing and popping blood up there. I think, I mean, like to me, when people say like, why would you want to be scared? I think, well, then why do I watch Becoming Part 2 the most often mm-hmm. and end up bawling at the end? Because, I mean, that you experience those feelings and at the end you've purged them and you feel good. Right. There's a re- reason why why light comedy is not the only genre. No, I get more <laughs> upset watching stuff where, um, like, usually comedies where a character is intensely embarrassed socially. Like, you know, Crystal be sitting there and I'm squirming on the couch like, oh, no, it's going to be terrible for you. Oh, this goes so, so bad. Ricky Gervais stuff is very hard to watch with Krista. No, <laughs> I, no I get upset. But like, um, but yeah, I mean, the other side of it too is just, you know, I have a very high threshold for what you can show me in a movie. It takes a lot to really bother me now. In real life, it doesn't mean like I, I'm the opposite. I, I cannot stand the sight of blood, the, you know, the stuff they, you know, you see on, on the news or whatever, just like real life violence is it, it's not that it, I, I don't feel desensitized mm-hmm. to it. I actually feel like it's actually been amplified mm-hmm. by by a lot of this stuff. I'm incredibly sensitive to, to real life violence. The ver- oh, I just wanted to say before yeah. we move on that last scene, the, the, when the werewolf comes out, it attacks her and then Marty shoots at it and it goes running off. There's a shot where like Sigourney Weaver is walking towards them or something's happening. It's like a wider shot. And because pieces of the ceiling and like the wall have been crumbling, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of stuff all over the floor. And for just half a second, for the only time ever watching this movie, I thought, the werewolf had pooped. 
because it was far enough away that I was like, "What? Well, yeah, well, if you pull a gun on me, there's going to be poop involved. <laughs> so I just, yeah, for like half a second went, wait, did he, uh, okay. Joss really pays attention to details. The details, yeah. yeah. If you're looking, it's there. They spent $5,000 on that wolf poop. <laughs> Sigourney Weaver slips on it. Well, I don't know how reliable this is. This is one of those weird IMDb facts that I'm not sure is true. It might have just been something that was said flippantly as a joke. But I want to live in the world where this is true. That, as Sigourney said, that a major reason why she did this film was because it would be her first film that had a werewolf in it. That would be a selling I point I want for that me. to be true. I, I don't that, know like, if it is. Anytime something is, is run by her, the only question <laughs> she ever has, it's not how much it pays. Is there a werewolf? Is there a werewolf? She's like... I was kind of on the fence about working girl. There wasn't a werewolf, but then I heard Harrison Ford was involved. So I was like, okay. <laughs> Wait, I just realized that made it sound like I was comparing Harrison Ford to a werewolf. <laughs> we were almost there. Oh my God, he turns into a werewolf in Anchorman 2. <gasps> so there we go. At the, at, the, at the news anchor battle at the end of the second one. Oh, it's been forever since I've seen that. Harrison Ford straight up turns into a werewolf. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Holy shit. <laughs> one universe. Making all connections. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so despite not liking the Ancient Ones thing and and Marty's selfish decision at the end, I do really like this movie. I think it's it it does scare me, even though I know it's going to happen at this point. I'm the Buckner stuff gets me. It's <laughs> funny. It's smart. I just i I will happily throw this one on anytime. I really love it too. I think this is a lot of fun. I mean, they it's almost it feels so silly now. It's overused. The expression about you know something being a ride, a roller coaster ride. Yeah. But like, but this is one of those movies that really does sort of approximate that kind of. A feel. I think a good thing to reflect how fun this movie is, is it's one of those movies that whenever I watch it, I can remember the response in the theater, mm. which I think it means that it was both fun and it, it, it felt like a really important part of the experience. Not just like, oh, I went to a midnight screening and everyone cheers for everything, blah, blah, blah. But it was like, I saw it at like a midday, I think on a Tuesday or something. And it was just like a couple other people in theater. And I remember people like clapping at different points, like when Sigourney Weaver comes on or something, <laughs> uh, or just like huge laughs at certain parts. And I, I, I think that's a good sign of a movie when you remember the feeling of first watching it and the response that the audience had. Yeah, totally. I think, yeah, mixing genres is always tricky mm -hmm. and balancing that tone, striking the right balance. And especially, and then you add the meta level into it that obviously there's always, it's going to rub certain people the wrong way. And I understand why, you know, there are people that feel like they wish it was scarier than it was funny. And like, I think there's room for both kinds of movies. There's we live in a world where there can be the evil dead and evil dead too. I, yeah. so it's, I like that we, if you want your straightforward, teens trapped in a cabin horror movie those are out there and if you know i this movie actually is something that i think works as well for people who love this genre and people who don't totally understand it yeah i think it, it's it it would play beautifully for both and that's really impressive i mean surprise surprise guys joss whedon is uh he's not a bad writer <laughs> <laughs> now it's time to celebrate some badassery with this week's slay of the week So it's clearly when lab attendant number three dies. <laughs>
I think I I kind of I have to give it to the merman. That's kind of where I'm at too. That's my runner up. Okay. Oh, because I mean this one is like I don't. Eh. The unicorn maybe just because it's so random. It's so random. Um, I have to give it to the motorcycle hitting the forest field. Mm. Okay. Because it to me it was touching. Like I wanted to cry. It completely caught me off guard. But then a split second later you're like, oh yeah, right. Of course. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> so I just think I think it was. I think with the eagle it was perfectly timed and really great. There's just so much to choose from though in that third act. I but know. it's like we're gonna stop recording and we're like, oh no, wait, I forgot about the. <laughs> oh, of course. The... Chris, thank you for coming along on this field trip. Absolutely. It's always nice to have you on. I was really excited that you were able to join us this week because you are very, you're well versed in this uh, genre, and I, I knew that you would have some great insights. And you're the president of the Richard Jenkins fan club. Yes, yeah. like our Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> Sign up for our newsletter. We're at rjforlife. <laughs> dot org. <laughs> Don't the prestigious dot org. <laughs> <laughs> Slash job. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the Sunnydale Stacks. Please like us on Facebook. Look for us on Twitter and Instagram at Sunnydale Stacks to ask us questions or share your own opinions and memories about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The Sunnydale Stacks is a part of the 27th Letter Productions Network. Look for our sister podcast, Hey Do You Remember? And join us next time when we dust off Triangle and Checkpoint when we get lost in the Sunnydale Stacks.